0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the One Man, One Mike podcast. I am creating this podcast to discuss Canadian politics and conservatism, especially because I feel like there aren't enough conservative voices in the Canadian media talking about issues that really matter to conservatives. I want to use my platform for an opportunity to train some of the younger up and coming people that may not realize that they're conservative but to really help them understand what conservatism is because they may be more conservative than they think so this week we lost a legend Rush Limbaugh and I know he is an American broadcaster but he meant a lot to me personally Mm -hmm. and he was kind of the godfather Canadian or American of conservative talk radio and he really opened the door for more people like me and platforms like this and it was a sad sad day when I heard that he had passed I remember being I don't know a teenager probably about 13 years old going with my brother to the States he was driving long-haul truck at the time And you get tired of the same sick songs on the radio that they played over and over and over. And so he used to turn on Rush Limbaugh. And it was really my first introduction into conservative. And he had a way about him that explained conservatism for what it was. And you know, he did a good job when he gets smeared by all these leftists lately the side for tolerance and acceptance calling him a racist a bigot a homophobe every name in the book and for those people they probably never listened to him so all of his archives online if they really think that he's this bigoted racist person i would challenge them to go back and listen to the archives for he was on the radio for 32 years and it's all there if they can pull an instance i'd be surprised and i remember reading righteous indignation by andrew breitbart who was another one of my big influencers now breitbart's kind of gotten itself a bad reputation after andrew breitbart died but i would challenge anyone to read righteous indignation excuse me while i save the world it was really an eye-opener and There were two things that Andrew Breitbart said that really stuck out to me. One is that culture is upstream of politics and it's becoming more and more true. As the culture changes, politics follows along with it and we seem to have gone so far left on the spectrum that it seems like we're running over the cliff with no handbrake. And I think that I really wanna discuss conservative issues to try and change the culture and bring that back around because a lot of people have conservative values, they just don't realize it. And the second thing that Andrew Breitbart said that really stuck out to me was walk towards the fire. And it's always hard to stick your neck out, especially as a conservative, because you get called a bigot, you get called a racist, you get called a homophobe, a xenophobe, and they're being kicked off of social media platforms, they're being doxed, everything else. So it really does take some courage to stand up as a conservative, but I really feel like this newer generation is a lot more conservative than they realize, and they're looking for a change of this, this cancel culture is like a cancer on society right now. And it's really time to try and change the dialogue, especially with the lockdowns and everything that's going on in the political climate. Canadians tend to be very apathetic when it comes to their politics. Frankly, they're kind of boring. You've got the CBC, you've got the CTV and global news, and you can basically switch channels between the three of them and they'll be saying the same thing over and over and over. I don't think it's that Canadians are apathetic. I just think they're bored. And we really don't talk about the issues in depth. So that's my goal with this program is to really dig down into some of these issues and try and talk about it in a way that's meaningful because there's a lot of stuff going on right now That people either aren't aware of or they're just going along with it. And people really need to become more engaged with Canadian politics and really start to dig in. I'm sure you could probably name more American senators or congresspeople right now than you could MPs or MPPs. And they work for us. And somewhere along the line, they seem to have lost touch with that. It's been a very crammed down last year, and it's time that they start to get held accountable. So I'm gonna start with the premise that politics is an integral part of your everyday life, whether or not you see that. It's reflected in your taxes. It's reflected in your freedoms. It's reflected in these lockdown measures. And you see the price going up at the pumps. You see the jobs going away because of COVID. And what do you do? How do you engage? And I think that's become the frustration for Canadian conservatives is how do you engage with your politics in a way that's meaningful? So I want to start with the premise that conservatism is not this racist, bigoted, homophobic, xenophobic idea. It's a movement that individualism is paramount and that your individual freedoms are more important than any kind of group freedoms. And taking that personal responsibility for yourself is really what conservatism is all about. And I've you've heard me mention American broadcasters. You know everyone probably knows who Ben Shapiro, Mark Levin, Rush Limbaugh, Tucker Carlson, all of these people are. You might be able to name Peter Mansbridge, or you might be able to think of someone like Rex Murphy. And for some of the more conservative crowds that have already been conservative, well then you know we've got the rebel news media. So you've got people like Ezra Levant and David Menzies. But I really started to dig down and ask myself, why are most of the Canadian voices going south across the border? So if anyone's come across Steven Crowder, louder with Crowder, change my mind. He's from Montreal and he, his dad was from Detroit, but. He wound up going and settling in the States. You've got roaming millennial. She's from BC, but she's in the States. And Lauren Southern wound up crossing the border. And even some of the more controversial people like Gavin McInnes. They were born and raised here in Canada. And it seems like the opportunity that they have here is limited. So they wind up going to the States. And I'm not endorsing any of these people. Like you can look at their work for yourself and make your own opinion but i find that there's really no conservative voice in canada that speaks out and deals with the issues because you know it's a small country we've got a population of 37 million and maybe there's no appetite but these issues are not dead here and i think we need to start with changing the culture and making it so that our conservative values are forefront and changing the culture going forward so that canadian citizens are far more engaged so when i was mentioning rush limbaugh he was constantly being pushed back and they were always smearing his as something else but you know he he was a good man and he was a generous man and i think he's someone that a lot of people can look up to whether you loved him or hate him He never stopped speaking up for what he believed in. And he just kept going and going and going. And I appreciate that because it's perseverance. And he had a long career and he'll be missed by millions of people. And he may be hated by many people, but he'll be missed by a lot of people as well. And I think the biggest thing with Rush Limbaugh is that he was a very big proponent in free speech. And they've been eroding that in Canada here for quite some time. And I think it's time for Canadians to stand up and really think about how important their rights are and if they're willing to fight for them or not and fight this feeling of apathy when it comes to politics. Now, Jordan Peterson is probably one of the more famous Canadians speaking about politics, even though he's not necessarily inherently political. But he rose to fame back in 2016, 2017, when they introduced Bill C-16, which was the compelled speech law, and I'm sure most of you are familiar with this. But basically, it was encoding gender pronouns into our speech, which it instead of saying something you couldn't say, right? It was it was limiting the words of free speech had, this is compelling speech. And this is the first time in English common law that this has ever been brought about. And Peterson's argument was that, okay, this is overstepping. Like if if you wanna come up with a list of things that people can't say, that's one thing. And even that he was iffy about, but when you start telling people there are words that they have to say, it's never been heard of. And he warned that this was going to be a slippery slope, and I think now, here we are four years later in 2021, and we're starting to see the effects of his warning coming out. And it all comes down to this last year of COVID. We're now one year into 14 days to slow the spread, and... Everyone was on board at first, okay, we need to stay at home for two weeks because we're trying to flatten the curve. And then it was like, okay, if you're going out, you need to wear a mask to try and stop the spread. And then the science was in and out on that. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask, do we wear two masks? It lives on surfaces, it doesn't live on surfaces, it's airborne, it's droplet. There are so many different things that came out. And then the media stepped in to try and cover for the government in this botched lockdown from day one. And you really start to see what kind of right hand of the government the media is. It's the propaganda wing. And I'm sorry, I thought this was Canada, but it's starting to feel more and more like communist China every day. And I'm getting tired of turning on the media and hearing them tell us this and tell us that, or you flip on Facebook and every time you go on there, anything to mention with COVID, if it comes from CBC or CTV or an accredited source, then it's fine. You hear any kind of dissenting opinion, boom. Oh, this has been covered because it's misinformation or misleading or it contains false information. False information according to who? Your BS fact checkers? Nobody believes you and nobody believes the media anymore. And that becomes the real problem is that nobody can trust the information that's coming out because it's so conflicting and they don't trust you to go ahead and look at the information and decide for yourself because you're not that smart. We're the government. We're going to hand this to you. I was on Twitter the other day and I was scrolling through and they were talking about talking about COVID, of course, and I was scrolling through the comments and some lady was like, oh, thank you. Like the government, you are the future of our children. No, no, that's not the case. We are the future for the children. If you have children, that is your responsibility to raise those kids. And we've become a government nanny state, sending our kids into schools to learn whatever the state is teaching them. No, your values are the paramount and you know, what's best for your kids. And anyone who's from Ontario will probably remember, but they brought out this new sex ed curriculum, which brought in like the gender bread man and the gender unicorn. And a lot of parents were standing up about this saying like, okay, like we're not disenfranchising these people exist, but do we need to start teaching this in kindergarten? And then, This was under the wind government. They said that, oh, yeah, no, we're going to put this in the schools. And then they wound up repealing it because all their curriculum was written by pedophiles. And these people are putting blind trust in the government. No, the government sucks at everything they do. And they need to have the least amount of power as possible. And if COVID doesn't wake you up to that at this point in time, where they're trampling your rights and your freedoms for this disease that is less deadly than the flu let's be real let's look at the numbers and i'll be honest with you right now i am not a broadcaster i am a healthcare professional and i haven't spoken out to the media because i know they're going to cut my head off in the sense of i'll lose my job i and there's so many other doctors and nurses and lab techs and everyone else these pcr tests where they're spinning them and spinning them and spinning them they're giving false positives and The efficacy of the vaccine, that's up for debate. And the science really isn't out on it, but when you have health professionals that are terrified to death to speak out against this narrative that goes against Dr. Tam, for example, what do you do? Because you know that you're putting your career at risk anytime you go to speak out with it. And they're gagging science, and they're always like, oh, we're following the science. Who's science? I'm old enough to remember going to school in the medical profession, and everything they're talking about is contrary to what we learned in school. And like, I'm talking four or five years ago, this, I didn't go to school in 1960. It wasn't that long ago. And then they're telling us that we have to go along with this. And I'm surprised how many of my fellow healthcare workers are just blindly going along with this. You went to school, you know what it's like, and to just follow along with this is crazy. But what you're seeing happening right now is if you've ever taken psychology courses at all is the ash conformity experiment. So that's A S C H. And you might've seen this, you might've not, but I would suggest you look it up. And it really occurred to me the other day, my girlfriend and I were out and we were going shopping and she was purposely Going the wrong way against the arrows. And when we got home, she was like, I could tell it was making you really uncomfortable. And I thought of it and I was like, yeah, it was making me really uncomfortable. But why am I following these stupid arbitrary rules that I have to follow inanimate stickers on the floor and walk one way when I know that walking one day down an aisle is not going to affect covid transmission it's really not but the ash experiment is exactly that it's to define conformity so if you haven't seen the experiment you can look up several examples of it on youtube but one is they have a a waiting room for i think it's an eye doctor and they have a bunch of actors that come in and they have one person who comes in and thinks that she's getting a free eye exam So she comes in and sits down and then they play a beep and everybody in the room stands up. So for the first time, she looks around and kind of looks uncomfortable. And then the beeps again, everyone else stands up, but she stays sitting. And then about the third or the fourth beep, she starts standing up in the group. No idea why. And then one by one, these paid actors start to file out of the room and she's the last one in there. Then they start to bring in more volunteers who think that they're going to get an eye exam and the beep goes off and she keeps standing because that's how she's been conditioned. And we're talking conditioned within a matter of like a minute. And by the end of the experiment, everybody is standing up for the beep, even though they don't know why and they're uncomfortable about it, but they have no idea why. And I think... That's a lot of what you see playing out in society today is we're wearing the masks. We're following the aisles because we've been conditioned to do that. And every time you hear another, Oh, two weeks, lockdown, two weeks, lockdown, two more weeks. This is the new normal. Oh, maybe by the end of the summer, maybe by the end of next year, everyone's just going along with it because we are conditioned to conform. But why, why are we conforming to this? Because the science Doesn't make any sense. At first it was wear a mask and then social distance, practice good hand hygiene. And then it got to, okay, we're closing down small businesses. You can still go to Costco. You can still go to Walmart. You can still go to any of the big stores, but these small businesses are the problem. And then it was become reliant on the big handouts from the government. And here's your Serb check. But people want to work. And nobody's looking at the mental health and addiction numbers and the suicide rates. Like you go into long term care, which are the people that need to actually be protected. But a lot of these people on memory care floors and stuff like that are really failing to thrive, not because of COVID, but because you're taking dementia patients and you're locking them in rooms and they haven't been outside in a year. Everyone's coming in wearing masks and gowns and face shields, why? They don't understand this. They're they're thinking to themselves, why? And so they just stop eating. They haven't been outside. They haven't had that opportunity. And depression is killing more people in general, in the general population, but it is in the nursing homes as well. But they're not releasing those statistics and nobody's standing up and asking why. And I think it's time for people to wake up and really start asking why and i'll be honest like i wrote a letter to my mp a while ago i haven't heard back yet asking about how this is constitutionally legal and i'm looking forward to hearing the answer because i can't figure it out so i'm sure most of you are probably familiar with the constitution and More specifically, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, right? It's our founding document. It was made to follow and bolster the Magna Carta, which we went under for years. So they guarantee, in part one, they guarantee certain rights and freedoms. And I just want to go through a few of those in this episode to, to get you thinking, to see what rights have been stripped away. And how we've just gone along with it for so long. So in opening it says, rights and freedoms in Canada. The Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms guarantees the rights and freedoms set out in it and is subject only to such, this is the most important part, reasonable limits. Reasonable Prescribed by law, as can be demonstrably justified in a free and democratic society. This society no longer feels free and democratic. And I would argue strongly that these limits are reasonable at this point in time. Everybody wants to get back to life. So let's go into the next part. Section two. Everybody has the following fundamental freedoms. A. Freedom of conscience and religion. Now, I don't know how many people were watching the news. It finally did hit the mainstream news because they weren't able to ignore it anymore. But Pastor James Coates was just arrested. He was the pastor of a church in Edmonton. And he was refusing to follow the regulations. Probably because the freedom of religion... And the freedom of conscience are laid out right at the very beginning of the charter. And I was reading a CTV news article today, and the one thing that struck me as funny was that, well, you have to stick to 15% of the fire marshal building limits. And the government has allowed, the key word allowed, churches to stay open with 15%. Allowed how? That's not their choice and that's not their right to make that up. You're, oh, thank you. You're allowing us to practice our freedoms. Who do you think you are? And so they've automatically overridden basically all of section two. But 2A, the freedom of conscience and religion. This pastor consciously decided that his rights of religion, and freedom of assembly, which we'll get to, were more important than these bylaws that they were pushing down people's throats. And so they find him and then they find him again and then they find him again and then they finally came and they arrested him and they took him off to jail. And they said, okay, we're gonna let you out on bail, but you can't preach anymore. And he said, no, according to my conscience, that's my job, that's what I feel like, that's what i have to do they were like well no you can't do that so i guess you're not leaving and then they took him and they he's in a maximum security prison and last i checked he was in solitary confinement and this is the same government who released over 500 prisoners from this jail well from prisons in alberta anyways Because of the COVID threat. And then you're taking people and you're locking them up in there. And I don't care if you're Christian, if you're Catholic, if you're Muslim, if you're Sikh, if you're Hindu. They have no right to infringe on the rights that are laid out under the Fundamental Freedoms Act in the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Then we move on to 2B. Freedom of thought, belief, opinion, and expression, including freedom of the press and other media of communication. Really? Because I'm old enough to remember when, let's say, Rebel News was the Sun News media, and they wouldn't syndicate them. And so now they've gone to a YouTube kind of media platform, but... Um, there were two stories in the last couple of weeks. One is David Menzies, who is a reporter for the Rebel News. He went to check out one of these COVID hotels, the Radisson's in Toronto, and they showed up with his house and slapped him with trespassing. Where's your freedom of the press there? And then the same thing, Kian Bexty he went out and he was recording a bunch of stuff to do with COVID. And they basically showed up at his house and threatened him and just said, like, if you keep going down this path you're going to have big problems the RCMP showing up to reporter's house what is this the gestapo and i and i don't say that lightly like i think lately everyone has been making nazi comparisons especially on the left they they equate trump supporters to nazis they they equate conservatives to nazis punch a nazi in the face all that kind of stuff has been going on but this is really the kind of stuff that happens under socialist regimes and I've seen videos of people that were from Austria or from Poland and this is the kind of crap that they dealt with under communism and now what's happening in Canada and why why is this happening and for any of the police that may ever listen to this really I have to ask you why why are you taking these orders from your superiors and following them out. Like I understand, trust me, I do, that it's not easy to speak out and follow your conscience because it very well could and may cost you your job. And we've all got families to provide for. We still have to pay rent and we still have to pay mortgages and we have to pay to keep the lights on. And so it's very hard to go against the grain, but if, it's your job to uphold the Constitution and to abide by the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Are any is anyone asking questions of the RCMP or OPP or BC Police or you know the the Quebec Police? Any are they asking anything of their superiors when they're giving them orders to enforce these draconian laws? Because I'm sure that most police officers didn't sign up to do this and i do support the police i think that we need to have them but when you start showing up to people's houses and handing them out tickets for having a meeting together in a private home or when you know you're dragging people off to jail like a pastor for just preaching what what is going on how how are we enforcing these laws in a free country what is happening then we go on to C of the of the charter and freedom of peaceful assembly well yeah if you're antifa or black lives matter then you have that option of freedom of assembly but look at how many of these anti-lockdown rallies have been going on and people are getting arrested all the time peaceful or not okay you're not wearing masks well that's their decision. That's their decision. And where in the charter does it say you have to wear a mask? Because that's what I'm wondering about. And you know what? I'm not necessarily even opposed to masks. Do I think that they're as um, helpful as they're preaching? No, they're not. Everyone knows that it has done any time in school for anything medical that surgical masks that they're putting on, where they're talking about wearing they're efficate for about 15 minutes. And the test... To check your mask at home is if you put your mask on and you light a lighter in front of it you shouldn't be able to blow it out but some people have been wearing these masks for days and weeks and you know it, it's not working anymore so you know what do, what do we do with this but I still think the freedom of choice for individuals reigns paramount and if you want to wear a mask you are welcome to if you don't want to wear a mask you shouldn't have to which is just common sense you know especially if you're a 22 year old and you're in good health the odds of COVID being deadly are so slim so so slim but they're making it seem like you're just gonna die if you walk out without wearing a mask which brings us to 2d freedom of association I don't know when that went out the window, but if you want to go to church, that's association. If you want to have friends come over to your house, that's association. But they're telling us, oh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, you can't have ten people, more than 10 people in your home. Really? What happened to the freedom of the association? They just ran right over the charter with these COVID rules, and I can't understand how they're getting away with it. Now let's jump down to section six of the charter so section six of the charter talks about freedom of mobility and i'm sure everyone's probably aware now but anyone leaving the country and is coming back there were rumors last year about these quarantine centers or COVID hotels well we know they're a real thing now you come back you're forced to go into a hotel and you have to pay two thousand dollars for your stay there and for your trouble Since when can the government force its own citizens to go to a hotel and and you're only allowed out for yard time with uh, somebody that is accompanying you that's a registered official? And we don't trust you to quarantine in your own house for two weeks. Like what is going on? What happened to the freedom of mobility? And now we're hearing things about they may be bringing out COVID passports. Now that's not official yet. They're also talking about things where you know, you're know you probably gonna to have to wear a mask on a plane indefinitely if you wanna travel. But there was just a case that went through where they were saying that, um, well, there was a lawyer that took it to court and they were, you can't ask about personal health records is what it comes down to. And so any business asking you to prove that you've had the vaccine is, well, it's none of their business. And so how they're gonna skirt around this one I don't know when it comes to the law because it did go through to court and there was a precedent set in court that they can't force you to get the vaccine and they can't ask about it. But um, I just really don't know how this is looking because they've walked all over the rest of the charter. And so something as trivial as not asking for a vaccine passport, well, they'll figure some way out around it because they've already thrown the Constitution into the garbage, basically. And we just sat back for the last year Last year and watched it happen. So that's mobility rights in the sense that they're taking anyone that's going out of the country and coming back into Canada. They want you to have a valid COVID test when you get on the plane from your country of origin before you come back to Canada. But then half the time, they're not even recognizing those tests and they're sending you into quarantine Anyways, then we get on to Section 2B in uh, Section 6 of the Charter. To pursue the gaining of a livelihood in any province. So you can move province to province, and I moved from Ontario to Alberta during this COVID pandemic. So you can move, but good luck gaining a livelihood in any province when they've got half the businesses shut down for arbitrary reasons. And that's what the people are complaining about is they just want the right to work and make money. But they keep shutting these businesses down and postponing it and postponing it and postponing it. And I want to see the billions or trillions dollar price tag that is on this after the end of this COVID pandemic. And let me remind you that when Justin Trudeau got voted into office and Harper left, we didn't have a deficit. And now we're billions of dollars into deficit because he's just shoveling billions of dollars of cash around the world. In a matter of, you know, six, seven years, we're in a terrible, terrible place. And this just keeps happening and people aren't aware. And that's why I'm here to be the voice. And I want to dig into the deficit over the next future episodes. And I want to dig into what's really going on because the Canadian population really needs to be aware of what's going on. Next, we move on to Section 7 of the Charter, legal rights. Everybody has the right to life, liberty, and security of person. Okay, does this look like liberty to you? Does this feel like liberty to you? Do you feel like you're free? You can't go into stores that you want to go into. You have to wear a mask. You have to social distance. You have to follow these stupid arrows on the floor you know is is this freedom is it is it really freedom when you just can't jump on a plane and go on vacation when you want to have your family over for christmas and they're telling you that you can't is this freedom no it's not and it's hard to pursue any of this stuff because a lot of the courts are closed right now section 8 everyone has the right to be secure against unreasonable search or seizure well the first example i can get you is the um, i mentioned that the police were kind of harassing a, a polish couple so you can find this story i think rebel news had it posted but there were polish immigrants in calgary and then they were going to meet with citizens because one couple had their landed immigrant status and the other couple had their citizenship And so they were going to meet to discuss the past citizenship. And this is allowed. It's a support group. So even under the law, this is allowed. And the police showed up and knocked on the door. And the Polish couple, the uh, landed immigrants, basically went out the back door because they didn't know what to do. And they asked them to take off their jacket in minus 30 weather at midnight and then they were fining the couples for having this meeting in their house. That sounds like unreasonable search to me. And once we get started into this new gun legislation, Bill C-27, we're going to talk about that in the next episode of these gun legislations. But basically, they're giving the police the right to go in and seize weapons. And it's a voluntary buyback. But what happens if they're not voluntarily sold back? That's what happens next so where where do we go from there what's the next step and this section 8 um, the right against unreasonable search for seizure could be very next same thing with the pastor in Edmonton when they went and arrested him it's not really seizure but they did seize his person And which brings us to Section 9. Everyone has the right not to be arbitrarily detained or imprisoned. Okay, well, what are they doing when they're arresting these peaceful protesters? Is that not arbitrarily detaining people? And the list goes on and on and on. But those are the main points. This is our Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And because of this pandemic, they have seized these rights. And it's, it's across the world, but... This has really gone on for way too long and it's so scary to see how fast our freedoms have been taken away and how complacent everybody is with it. And the last thing I want to talk about in today's episode is that this is very much a do as I say, not as I do culture. Um, We've heard lots of stories from North America and abroad where everyone else is locked down and the politicians are still... Traveling, You've heard of Gavin Newsom going to the French Laundry in California. And then there was Ted Cruz going to Cancun. Um, and different ministers here in Canada that have been caught traveling outside of Canada while everyone else was locked down. But they're all still getting their salary. So what do they care if this lockdown goes on forever? We're still paying them it's not really affecting them. They haven't had to take a hit in salary. Now, again, luckily enough for me, I'm, like I said, an essential service in healthcare, so I haven't had any trouble getting work, but there are lots and lots of people that have. So, if you haven't heard the story, there's an MPP who was part of the Conservative Caucus in Ontario, he's now an independent because he got kicked out, his name is Robin Barber. And so, he brought up a private bill In Queens Park to the legislature, saying that while these lockdowns continue and until everything is rolled back with these lockdowns, with the exception of hospitals and long term care homes, that the politicians should be taking a pay cut and living off of $500 a week that the Serb pays. And so he put it through and he couldn't get unanimous voting through. And then they wound up having a counter bill that was put forward. And they were basically just saying like, okay, well, if that's what you want, that's what you're going to get. So Paul Calandra, who is the MPP for Markham Stouffville, put through a motion that, okay, if Uh, Mr. Barber wants to take that then we're going to cut his salary to 500 so they didn't want to take the hit but they were happy to vote against him to get the hit now luckily the counter motion was ruled out of order by the speaker Ted Arnott but that just shows you how much these people are so disconnected and they don't realize that they work for you you close your business you stay off for a year you can apply for the CERB which you know you're probably gonna have to pay back but you know, we're going to make the the language around the serve very ambiguous about the $5,000 threshold. And then you're going to have to pay a certain amount back if you make, I think it's over 38000 But we're not going to live on that. No, no, we're going to keep claiming our full salaries and good luck, everyone else. Sorry if you lose your house. Sorry if you lose your car. It is what it is. And, you know, I think a lot of this anger is going back to the 2008 um Recession, which we hardly felt because we had good leadership in Harper back then. But you know, it really hit hard in the states. So when you see things like gamestop that have just happened going on, this is a big middle finger to the establishment. and this do as I say, not as I do culture is really what the problem is, and there they talk about the swamp in the states, and that was one of the things that Trump ran on. But Canada is just as swampy and it's just as rotten and it's just as corrupt. The only difference is is that people here are willing to deal with it. So this podcast is going to be the awakening for me and I hope for anyone else that's listening to this to stand up and start to pay attention and start to take action. Now, let me be very clear. I do not condone any sort of violence and that I need to be crystal clear because they like to take things and call it incitement but what I am saying to you is it's time to get active there are petitions about this on change.org that you can go and sign you can go and support any of the independent broadcasters whether that be rebel media or anyone else that you happen to follow that you like for an alternative news source that's writing to your MPPs that's writing to your MPs and most importantly for all of these people that are not standing up for you and that are going along with this when it comes to our elected officials don't vote them back in don't give them your vote and if you're getting emails as Trudeau's probably going to be calling an election here coming about June or so When your political party is calling you, asking you for money, withhold your donations. Tell them, no, you want me to donate? Then I want you to run on a platform that you start putting Canada first again, and that we start looking at ending these lockdowns and getting back to normalcy, because that's what we're driving for. And we need to take that power back, because without us, they wouldn't be employed, but lately... And for a long time, really, in Canada, we have been the peasants and we go along with what they say. And we don't know what we do. We don't know what they do. It just kind of goes along and they slap on tax after tax. They run deficits. They pass laws. Here's an idea. Maybe we don't need any more arbitrary laws. Maybe, maybe we just want things to run smoothly. And, you know, if you're going to give yourself raises... Maybe after this disaster you created, you can take the pay cut. Maybe we need to start taking care of our veterans. And maybe we need to put more money into mental health. And maybe all these surgeries that have been canceled over the last year because they're not necessary. And I've got an aunt that's got a hernia that's been waiting on her. It's the size of a basketball. But it's not necessary. You know, we got people that are waiting on heart surgery. And our hospitals are not a capacity. And I'm telling you this. As somebody who knows, our hospitals are not even close to capacity, but we're not doing surgeries. And yes, having free health care is great. And this is one thing that you're going to hear the left talk about is that, well, you don't like socialism, but socialism has benefited you. But now this is what happens with rationing, with wait lists. You see all this stuff going on, but it's time to hold our government accountable for their poor decisions, their poor leadership, and they're not listening to the citizens. So anyone who listens to this, I would encourage you to write a letter to your MPP. Write a letter to your MP. If you're going to go to a protest, make sure you follow the law, stay your six feet apart and be peaceful about it. Make your voice heard. And we can't be silent anymore. And this is the thing, everyone just assumes that everyone else is complacent. But I really think that there's an underground of conservatives out there that are just afraid to speak up because that's the one problem about the idea of conservatism and individuality is we're not the type to raise up and try and cancel people and cancel culture isn't for us. But it's time that we started talking about this and making our voices heard because we are losing our country. And this is exactly the problem with Canada today, is that these laws pass and it goes along and it goes along. And next thing you know, I'm in a country I don't recognize anymore. And it's time for us to stand up as a united force and network and get together and take our country back. And that's done with constantly sending letters calling your mpp calling your mp not contributing giving up your membership to a political party if they're not towing the line and money talks money really does talk and we saw that with the ndp in the last election it basically bankrupted them and who knows how it's going to go this time around But I don't understand why we're paying this big money to our politicians. And then they're constantly asking us for more money to run their campaigns for people that don't work for us. If you want to represent the voices, if you want to represent us, then by all means. But if you're not going to work for us, then I'm not going to help you. I'm sorry. And that needs to be the line. So... I would just encourage you if you enjoyed this podcast, if you think it's been useful, if you want to hear more like this, then share it with your friends, share it with your family, however you want to do it. Um, I will post in the show notes the links to my social media and thank you for listening.